Magoni's a goal scorer. What about Dante? Dante's his own breed. Give me two seconds, Eichel and Svetch, and I'll be coming at your neck. Richard Zednick, laugh past the breadstick, or Tammy will bury. Send him on his merry way, lest it's on carry. What's sadder than KK's broken spleen? Leafs fan with hopes and dreams. Rick Moose is back for season three with hot takes like you wouldn't believe. I'll block shots. I rescind that. You've never blocked a shot for me. Now let's turn it over to the host of the show. His character's high, but his skill level's low. Kid back checks like you don't even know. Championship flow, Jonathan Quick is a schmo. Yeah. Oh, hello there. Tis the season. Last year was like treason. Stanley Cup, or like a COVID cup. The year of Cooper was more a big blooper, like Ferris Bueller in a brand new cruiser. Now my car is a star, moves like a sports car He can sauce like a boss and crisscross like Art Ross He's peanut butter smooth like Quinn Hughes And a work of art like that upstart Carter Hart Mmm, that's good kokanee right there So in comes Keith, will the boys be Leaf? Can Jumbo Joe and Austin Smoe avoid another repeat? It's time to start the show, so turn up the stereo Put your feet up, relax, enjoy a Bud Light Jack Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Rinkamoose Hockey Podcast, an episodic podcast where two good pals get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in the fantasy hockey universe. I am one of your hosts, as always, Nick Costu, along with my pal Kyle Nice. Kyle, how are you doing watching the Ottawa and Montreal game right now? I'm doing just great. Montreal just scored. And, uh, and let Joe hear this from me first. This is the official start of the Montreal Canadiens run of wins. It starts right now. Wow. Well, we'll get into that shortly our, on, our, on our lead. But uh, without further ado... Occupying the rotating third chair this week. Uh, first time back in a couple months. The one they call the freezer tarp. Oh, Josh Schechter. Josh, how are you doing on this fine evening? What's good, fellas? Thanks for having me back. I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thanks. How, uh, how is the, uh, how is the uh, fantasy season treating you so far? Have to ask. I can only sum it up as bad luck. Uh, <laughs> you little shit! I'm, you are a shit. My my plan is being execu- executed perfectly. I'm winning every week in the categories <clears throat> I, that I have targeted: shots, hits. I lead the league in both. I lead the league in three of the four goalie stats, and I've been foiled two weeks in a row by solid goaltending, unbelievable goaltending. Last week. Let me look at this. I was rudely overtaken by a goalie performance of Chris Dreiger. Darren Dreiger. No, no. <laughs> and Brian Elliott combining for three <laughs> wins and a 1.5 goals against. 
Nice. Like, wh- what am I supposed to do? What a tan- What a tandem that is. Vasilevsky mm-hmm. had three wins and two shutouts and couldn't couldn't put it put it together. <laughs> wow. Well, well, and and that that's the like I I don't really follow your team very much. I just know your goalies. That's really all I know about your team. And if there's one thing I just want to ask you on the subject is what's what's happening in Boston? Because like both those goalies aren't like when I look at their like stats, they aren't like particularly like awe-inspiring, you know? <clears throat> like what's happening in Boston? Well, I think that's the real question is what is happening in Boston? They're supposed to be this defensively sound yeah. team that, um, you know, shuts down the opponent's best line and puts everything they have to their their production line and nothing's going right now. Losing, letting the Islanders put up, what was it, seven goals? The Rangers. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Islanders put up seven. Rangers put up six. Back-to-back nights. It's, It's unheard of. Yeah, that's the only thing. Like when I just looked at your team, I, that's the one thing that just caught my eye. I'm like, Rask is ranked 250, Halak's ranked 150. I'm like, how are one of these guys not in the top 100? You know, when you got well, Darren Drieger uh, putting up shutouts. Well, that's the thing. It, it's so random because you look at uh, you look at uh, with Robin Leonard in in Vegas. That that could have been a disaster of a story if, if Nick, that was Nick's only Vegas goal. You know. Like Nick could be on his knees right now, begging for mercy, if that was his uh, his main goalie, you know. So it's like the, they're so unpredictable. Like that's the, why it's uh, it's yeah. so hard to pick them so early. If there's been any correlation between like my season, like its trajectory, the day Leonard got injured is the day my team started being on the upswing. Like that that's that that's defined my team because then I was able to just have three goalies instead of four. And there's, you cannot manage a team with four goalies. I realize that, Josh. I don't know what you're doing. does not work. With four? You, won't, four you won't catch up to any scoring stats with anyone if you have four goalies every week. It's just, it's just inconceivable. Mm. Look at my shots on goal and look at my hits. That's all that I care about. I lead, <laughs> I lead the league in both those st- statistics every week. Mm-hmm. And if I win... Three out of the four goalie stats, mm-hmm. I win every week. Shout out! So you're to you're literally you're just you're you're playing to win five or six stats. You're not you're Goal. not you're not playing to to sweep guys. No, I'm not playing. You I, don't want to crush anyone. Goals are a byproduct of shots. My team also has the lowest shooting percentage in the league, so <clears throat> I mean, positive regression will happen. But mm-hmm. um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm going after two and a half offensive stats and all four goalie stats. That's essentially what my. I mean, strategy yeah. In a regular in a regular season, it sounds odd, but I guess in the playoffs, when you only need to win, I guess that that rationale makes sense. Mm. Mm. Exactly. The only downside, and well, it's the biggest downside to this is that I'm pretty much stuck with the team I have because half the guys on my roster, no one else would find any value, and the other half. I value too much to to give away. So right, not mm. to mention you you you. According to Kyle, you can't. It's impossible to make a trade in this league with the yeah. Muppets. Oh, we're up it's against. Brutal. So. It's absolutely brutal. I don't know if you guys you have do ever a pre draft. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you got to. I don't know if you guys have ever forget Ovechkin. Yeah, that's well, and he's terrible. So I don't know. But he's also missed four games because of. <laughs> 
because of his uh, debauchery, but 17 yeah, the, points in 20 games isn't too bad. The moop, the moops in our fucking league are just the worst <laughs> because you send them a trade and they simply leave you on red. They do the equivalent of R bombing you. They don't decline. <laughs> they don't accept. They just fucking leave it there until you take it off yourself. Because well, until you get the picture, like it's just brutal. What is wrong with these people, man? I don't get it. If you guys are listening, then shape up here. <laughs> I find um, the success yeah. happens when you you message them as a discussion instead of just sending an offer because you never. Well, really they don't it. like that either. I've I've tried that in the past. Maybe I'm just not a good uh, tradesman. Maybe I'm not because I don't know. Maybe your GM rep is too low. No. Maybe you maybe okay, you built maybe. a reputation. I mean, Josh <laughs> is a fresh face. He has no reputation. People want to deal with him. You maybe, you've yeah, been you've yeah. been mucking people up for four years now. What's the history of this? I, I'm unaware. Well, just too many like raw offers. You know, like if you just. If you consider people like to be idiots and you offer them shitty trades, then they don't like you anymore, you know? So maybe I've done one too many of those, like like tire kicking trades, you know? But I don't know. I don't know if people remember that kind and of And you're stuff. too and you're too spontaneous. Like you don't you don't enter a negotiation with someone, you just you throw a deal at their face without <laughs> even mentioning it. That's not gonna win you any friends either. Well, come on. I don't want to get into it. You can't just do that. You can't just, uh, here's Suzuki for Lafreniere. You can't just do that. You know why? It's because I'm not a liar. If, if, I, if I explain my position, then they'll be like, oh, well, then you're getting the better deal. And I don't like to conjure stories. Right, right, right. So right. maybe that's what I've got to work on, is conjuring illegal stories. I think it's your approach. I think you just literally have to go and say, <clears throat> I want this player. Who do you like on my team? If it's a non-starter, then you move on to the next team. But most people will respond. Even if it's their top guy, everyone has a price tag. Right. Well, I'll give it a shot. How about that? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, we'll, maybe I'll give it a shot with one of you fellas later. Just not for Suzuki. Hey, if you want Ben Sherratt, be my guest. <clears throat> uh, pass. All right. Well, without further ado, let's, let's uh, move to the lead here. Um. <laughs> I know Kyle's been uh, antsy to talk about this for a full calendar week now. And I'll start with a report from The Athletic just to get everyone back up to speed. On Groundhog Day, the Habs beat beat the Canucks, ending a two-week stretch that saw them face Vancouver five times and take nine of ten points, all while scoring at will. That ran their overall record to 7-1-2, and and they were all but anointed the division's best team. (laughs) <laughs> Mark Bergevin's moves had all worked perfectly, and the relatively small number of skeptics had been proven wrong. Two nights after that win over the hapless Canucks, the Habs lost to the Senators. No big deal. It was a trap game against a bad team, and they got the revenge in a rematch. But then came a loss to the Maple Leafs, and then another to the Oilers, and soon they'd lost seven of eight, including five straight. Last week, they fired coach Claude Julien, a move that would have seemed unthinkable just two short weeks ago. Kyle, what do you make of this synopsis I just read summarizing the last two weeks in Montreal land? Well, uh, the synopsis outlines one of the major issues in Montreal land, which is the battle of extremes. You're either hot as frig or you're low as frig. 
And I think that's what uh, inevitably pushed Bergevin over the edge. He quoted that he was seeing a lot of those eight-game losing streak um, looks on this team this year. And um, while a lot of people will point to the five-on-five play that's been spectacular by the Habs, I mean, some of this has got to be on the coach for, for a lack of consistent effort night in, night out. They're not as good as maybe th- those who thought they uh, were a, a number one team early on. I still th- think they are. But they're not as bad as this, you know, this skid they've been on. So I think it was time for Juliana. I think the message just kind of wore thin. And uh, he's been there a while, you know. Like, he hasn't had the success over five or six years. So I'm on board with the move. Um, I, I'm ready to dive into it, whether it was an earned uh, firing or not. But uh, I think this is all good for the Habs long term. Uh, Josh, I'll ask for your perspective. <clears throat> but first, this photo of Carey Price and who? Who is this? Uh, who is this? Uh, who is this? I just sent in a, a face swap of Carey Price and Brady Kachuk because. Oh, that's Kachuk. Man, so, does that make an ugly baby? <laughs> oh god a mutant oh my god wow <laughs> that's funny where did this go that's not really that's yeah crazy. That's crazy it's carrie price's crazy. mouth and the rest is all brady <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, he looks like an alien so uh so josh were you in the pool of people who were stunned like me or were you like the writing was on the wall this was set in stone here I was pretty stunned, to be honest. I, I thought, um, you know, if you looked at their numbers, they weren't operating as if they were a bad team. I think they had a lot of uh, bad puck luck. And, um, you know, if who knows if that goal against Ottawa gets let in instead of called back, what the, what the fortunes would say. But, um, yeah, I was surprised. I, I don't think Montreal is a, a contender for the cup, but I definitely thought they would be a contender for the playoffs. Yeah. And and you don't, you don't think so anymore, Josh, you don't think they're a contender anymore with the way that Carey price has been playing. I, I can't uh, put them above uh, some of the other teams in the North division. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I seen this photo. I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, count me with you where I, I was stunned as well. <clears throat> Just because like, like that report said, in two short weeks, I'd, how, can you, how can you just, how can you make an evaluation like that? Such a, such a decision with just two weeks of play. And to your point, I think he was more a victim of the goaltending, a, a short window of poor goaltending than, you know, an overall team play. But I don't know. It, it sounds like the philosophy Bergevin wants is a little different. Like Bergevin wants more of a new school coach, a guy like Keith that can load up on two lines, play the two, the, the two top lines more than the bottom two, kind of like the Leafs, you know, have your Marners and your Matthews line and, 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 and play them more, play, play forwards 20 minutes a night. I, th- I think Montreal is the only team in the league that hadn't deployed forwards for over 18 minutes a game, which mm. I think that, that speaks volume. So I think he's looking at this Ducharme guy, He's, uh, he's a little more of a modern thinker, and I think they're going for kind of what happened in Toronto last year. They're going with the Keith Babcock, Babcock kind of replacement here, and I think you might see more ice time out of uh, the big boys. But, like, I mean, the Suzuki line and that, that uh, Tatar and Gallagher line. But, again, it's not the Leafs team. I think this team's better equipped to play a four-line game. That, that, that philosophy doesn't really click <clears throat> with this team, and so 
that has me thinking, well, what, what can this, what can this move do? Like what, what difference can it make? You know, I was listening to an interview with Eric Engels, who's a Montreal sports reporter. And he was talking about how, um, how he was already on the hot seat before the NHL returned to play because they were sitting in 24th place and had it been a normal year, they would have missed the playoffs by lands by, by landslide. So, um, they are fortunate to have that's like partial Cinderella run, you know, winning the first series. And, um, that apparently secured him a little bit of a leash to start the season and not get canned coming into this year. But I was still surprised given the start they had and, um, you know, the difficulties they had had to overcome with injuries and trades and, um, all the players they brought in with such, uh, limited training camp. I was impressed, but, um, it clearly his his voice was being lost in the in the dressing room. His message wasn't being uh, received anymore, and a change definitely. Uh, now it seems like it's uh, it's warranted. Yeah, I, I just because uh, <clears throat> I was kind of reviewing the regime that he's had over the over this time in Montreal, and I will make the statement of one of the biggest casualties of the Julian regime has been the death of team creativity for the Montreal Canadiens. Like, I think he kind of adopted this value, this identity, as Nick said, we're a four-line team. The only way we can score goals is those gritty goals. So I'm going to structure my whole kind of team philosophy on that. And that's where you see the, you know, your best players getting 16 minutes of ice time. I think that it, as a Montreal fan, it just kind of drove me up the wall to see even when your players are clicking, even when you've got your good guys rolling hot, like you got to play your guys more. Like I don't need to see the fourth line this much. And, uh, and we can score goals in other ways. I know people, a lot of people say they don't have a lot of top-end skill, and maybe that's true, but they've got, they've got a fair amount of skill on there to be able to, uh, to score some goals in, in, in some creative ways. So one of the highlights I wanted to point out was Jonathan Drouin, ever since Ducharme came back, has been a completely different player. If you've watched any of these Montreal games since Ducharme took over, like he's actually trying plays now. He's putting more shots on the net. Like he just seems like, it just seems like Julian had really handcuffed and put a leash on this guy. And, uh, and I hope a lot of other players kind of wake up in that sense as well because, I mean, I just think that there's more opportunities here for, for guys to to really break out. But I want to start seeing that 19 minutes for guys, you know, like even if it's a Gallagher, start playing them. This is, it's, it's no time to, to be conservative here. Now, what you just said reminds me of uh, another coach who was fired not too long ago, maybe a couple of seasons um, in another large hockey market. Mike Babcock, <clears throat> he was getting flack for not playing the top guys enough. And, it ultimately led to his demise along with several other factors, but that was definitely a storyline <coughs> in Leafsland for a while about how Austin Matthews and John Tavares and Mitch Marner weren't getting the, the 18, 19, 20 minutes a game. And they were playing that fourth line with uh, non, non-factors, non-contributors. So maybe mm-hmm. that is a, a shift in the culture where they're issuing out, issuing out these older school coaches and in, in favor of a fresher and new approach. I really hope so, but we should mention the pressure in Montreal right now 
is like higher than any team in this league. It, it's actually a, it's getting to a real fever pitch because now Bergevin's job is sorely on the line now. If, if, if Ducharme doesn't put something together here, um, then it's going to look really, really, really bad on the general manager, who we've all said has done a really good job. But uh, it really wouldn't matter if, if things go south here. Uh, he's going to be ended up um, kind of being the guy to blame because this is his guy. Like Ducharme and Bergevin, they are tied together like Keith and like uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Dubas. So, I mean, if anything, that to me could bring a little bit of hesitancy for this change. Like maybe uh, there's just so much pressure that he just feels a little bit scared to try try these new things and he just wants to kind of play it safe. So that's what I'm worried about when it comes to Ducharme. I'm also kind of worried about whether he's got the, the runway, the room and the time, the days off to really implement a new system. Like it, there's not a lot of practice time here. He, he's doing the best he can by trying to talk to each individual player, but, um, but it's just, it's not a lot that you can do uh, in the middle of the season under this much pressure I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough job. It's going to be hard. And that's why there's so much resting on price. And, yeah, there's a lot of storylines floating around here. Yeah, I'm, yeah, like I, you know me, I'm a Claude <clears throat> fan. I, I had him as one of my coaches on Team Canada in 2022. That take has not aged well, but nonetheless, I mean, I, I still like the guy. And uh, it's a shame to see him go. But this Descharm guy, based on what I've heard from uh, the Ferraros and the Millers who, who know him through the world juniors say very intense guy. Like he is, uh, he is, he comes off as a really, you know, kind guy, charming guy, uh, you know, in public and in interviews and stuff, but very intense, very knowledgeable. So I, I, I predict he's going to write the ship. I think Carey Price will get his game back. It sounds like he's working <clears throat> with the goalie coach there pretty hard. And uh, Hey, I, 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 I give him my full endorsement. Ottawa just scored on price, by the way. So uh, <laughs> let's see where that leads. I, and I, don't know if, uh, I don't know if Josh knows this. I know Nick knows this. But Dominic Ducharme was the coach of the greatest junior team of the last decade. Do you know what I'm talking about, Josh? You're talking about the Halifax Mooseheads? Yes, the greatest junior team of the last decade. Uh, uh, I, think, I think you're mistaken because the greatest team of the last decade <laughs> resides in... London, Ontario. I knew you were going there. That's ridiculous, and you know it. That that McKinnon Drew and duo of 2013 will never be touched. It hasn't been touched since, and uh, it's just pure hockey lore that uh, that team. So this guy's there. We got Drew and on board. Uh, get get the phone ring for Nathan McKinnon to come to Montreal immediately. All right. Is that it for the Habs? Any last, uh, any, anything else, Dad? <clears throat> uh, it's not it for the Habs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention this guy, Jonathan Druin? Right, right. Who is, and I don't know, uh, I, I know I dropped him in fantasy, but if you look at his underlying numbers, his, his, per, his point per game You already basis, dropped him. Yes, I dropped him. So you vehemently <laughs> picked him up on Saturday night or the Thursday yeah. night. You're like, he's back. Yeah, and you already yeah. dropped him? Yes, I did. Okay. What the fuck is wrong with I'm you? Where's, trouble, your, like, where's your loyalty? I know, I know. But I know no one else is going to pick him up. That's why. Okay. 
his 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 numbers on, at, on a minutes um, like a points per sixty per sixty minutes basis is actually right up there with some of the top guys. Um, get ready for an explosion. Fantasy hockey news. Fantasy hockey news. Tips and tricks. But Pick you're up Jonathan Drew. He just got injured. No, no, he's he he came back. He's he's okay. getting roughed up a little bit, but he came back. And and who who see we haven't even mentioned this. Josh Anderson's injured, right? <clears throat> Yes. So who's he Josh. playing with? Who's he playing with that they've Montreal has lost their most productive player? Like Suzuki I, I, and Toffoli. Like last week, I think I read a stat like 40% of the goals they've scored have been from Toffoli and uh, uh, what's his face? Anderson. And now they've lost Anderson, who I think is more valuable <laughs> right. than Toffoli. So what are oh, they going to do? What are they going to do and who's Duran going to play with and is it going to work? Well, I'll tell you that like this, like this Suzuki thing isn't looking so good. Like, like, I'll 100% honest, Jonathan Duran is making plays like left, right, and center you wouldn't even believe. But Suzuki, like, pucks are dying on his stick. I don't know what's wrong with this guy, but he's maybe he's going through a sophomore slump or something. But pucks are just dying on his stick. But, you know, the offense is there for other guys. It's just that duo that we all wanted to click and that clicked in the playoffs, that needs to get going if they are to have any hope because that is your skill line. If, if your skill line isn't going then you just you can't rely on the Gallagher goals, you know, forever. So that's got to change. It's all on Suzuki right now because Druen is distributing as good as he ever has. And the other the other stat I read is apparently it's now been a full calendar year <clears throat> since Phil Deneau's last goal. Oh, my God, yeah. That, that's so like, crazy. I'm only mentioning bad things here. Like, I don't watch this, this team. I, I don't like watching them. They don't, they don't interest me. But I'm, I'm just reading these stats to you that I just come upon, and none of it's good. Like, there's well, no positive. At, at least you regress in the Jake right Allen. direction, Jake right? Jake Allen's the only positive. Which is wild. And, I know. And, that can, and that can turn around at any second, as we know, as I would know of everybody. Yeah. Well, so convince yeah. me. Like, give your sales pitch. Endorse people out there why this team should be a playoff team. Because the way it looks right now, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, and them. They're going to fight over two to five, and one of them's not making it. Okay, why this, this team is a playoff team because uh, obviously you have to have the – if your number one goalie's going, he's one of the best in the division. Like that, that's an obvious one. That's an easy one. The defense is tough, uh, a little bit immobile, um, but they're relatively smart. So that's what they've got to work on with Sherrod and Weber. Like you got to limit those minutes for those guys because they, they don't move so well. But uh, if you look at the forwards, if you have Nick Suzuki playing like Nick Suzuki played in the playoffs and early in the season, then you've got a great first line of a distributor, an all-around player, and one of the league's top power, power forwards. The Gallagher line speaks for itself. Tatar, Gallagher, Deneau, Yes, Deneau doesn't score much these days, but uh, if he's playing his best hockey, then he's going to be defending very well, almost at a Selkie level. So those two lines can kind of speak for themselves. And then you've got your, your lower lines of Jake Evans, Yoel Armia and company. You know, it's, and then Kotkaniemi coming up to Foley, kind of rounding out that bottom, bottom half there. It's just, you do need that top line to get into gear, but if you don't have that, you still have a lot of balance. You know, and um, and hopefully a little bit more offensive flair with Ducharme. But yes, no, the way it's structured, salary what like the way it's structured, you have to have your goalie running hot. If your goalie is not running hot, 
You have to change a lot of things on the fly. And, uh, and it just causes a little bit of chaos and mayhem, in, in my opinion. Um, have you considered... Well, yeah, that, go ahead. Um, maybe this can be the last point, but uh, have you guys considered the fact that Carey Price <clears throat> this year has been given the most help he's, uh, he's ever gotten in terms of nights off in a while? Maybe he operates better when he's the guy and when he's not sharing the, the crease with anyone. He can just... You know, he can play a back-to-back and he doesn't have to worry about getting uh, getting his crease taken by someone else. You know what, Josh? It's a really interesting point. And um, if I, based on my history of knowledge, were to guess the ideal psychological scenario for Carey Price, it's on an underdog team where he is like the the backbone of that team. Like when I think back to his, his playoff days against Boston and, and these teams, I remember the, what made his legacy so great was the team was terrible. They were getting shelled and he was their, their last hope and he was just standing on his head. I, I think he relishes that role. And then you've always heard stories about, oh, Price has covered up so many blemishes because he, he succeeds when he is the guy, like you said, and when the team like gives up a lot of uh, shots. So I think psychologically for him to be on a team that's considered this team should be good and price should be good as well. Like maybe he doesn't operate so well in that, in that space. It's, it's a good point. I will, uh, I will mention one last thing. Should have mentioned this earlier when I, uh, when I led with Julian, but did you guys hear about the Dale Weiss comments? Yeah, uh, I, I think I brushed up on those, but you have to remind so me. Let me, let me remind you, this is courtesy of Kyle's friends at bar down. Dale Weiss doesn't seem to be losing any sleep over the firing of Claude Julien. The former half went on quite the Twitter spree following the news, making it clear that he didn't enjoy his time playing for him and that he was prone to making a mistake or two behind the bench each game, one of which, according to Weiss, was taking too many men penalties and he didn't (laughs) hold back about it online. First, he just blatantly called the guy out. Quote, willing to bet there won't be as many too many men penalties. End quote. Then things got a little more interesting after Bruins reporter challenged Weiss, the latter doubled down on his original comment and even went as far as insinuating there was mayhem on the bench when it came to Julien choosing his lines. Ha ha ha, the guy never called what line was up there. Was never any idea who was going and who wasn't. It was mayhem. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's uh, his two cents on the Julian firing. Sounds like that house league coach, that dad who, who just didn't know what was going on and he was just, he'd be just stunned every game. <laughs> yeah. Am I right, Kyle? Yeah. The, see, the senile old man coaching the house <laughs> league team. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I remember some of those days when, uh, when it was like that. It was mayhem. No one knew who they were going. So you all look at the coach and then he grabs one guy's jersey and he just throws <laughs> them on the ice. I was like, oh, the fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's when you oh, know fuck. the team's desperate. <laughs> You, you want to know my take on that, on that, those couple of quotes? Really, really gutless play by Weiss there. Really gutless. Kicking a guy when he's down, that is just not cool in my opinion. Like he just got fired. Obviously, he's, he's going to be on the prospective job market, as, as they say. And this guy is just calling him out on this, like, honestly, half-assed criticism. Like this is kind of lame on, on Weiss here. Where, where is Dale Weiss now anyways? I could not tell you. Could not tell you. I got to think he's not in the league right now. Otherwise, don't just make, like, comment on another. 
coach, you know, if you're in the league. Yeah. No, I uh, I, I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, unrestricted free agent. So just no one wants his services. So there you have it. Uh, sounds like a guy who's just salary is not in the league anymore and, and he's trying yeah. to get some kind of attention. Although I don't yeah. think this is the attention you want if you're trying to make it back into the league. So. No. No, no, maybe, no, maybe he knows he's done, and mm-hmm. and this is kind of his uh, last little hurrah. I don't know. He's probably sniffing around Europe. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I want to see his um, face match with Brady Kachuk. I think that would be. Oh cool. my god! Right, that would right, be right, right. the thing that should never have come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Europe, that leads <clears throat> us to topic number two. The. Uh, the news story that was originally in the lead until the, the Julianne firing came up. And that was uh, Artemi Panarin making the news. The bread man. Uh, yes. uh, news coming out of good old Russia. We love Russia. We love Russia on this show. <laughs> Plenty of listeners from Russia. Um, Panarin's former Continental Hockey League coach, Andrei Nazarov, told a Russian tabloid Sorry, I totally butchered that. I don't even know what I'm reading right now. That the player, wrong with you? That the player had attacked an 18-year-old woman in Latvia in 2011. Nazarov claimed Panarin, a finalist in the National Hockey League's NHL Most Valuable Player Award last season, knocked the woman to the floor with, quote, oh. several powerful blows. <laughs> What? It's not. This is not a laughing matter, Kyle. No, I, it just sounds so ridiculous. Panarin denies the allegations, which some have suggested are linked to his public support for Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny and his spoken criticism of the government under Vladimir Putin. Nazarov has praised Panarin, who has played in the NHL since 2015, for his beliefs towards Putin. In a statement, the Rangers dismissed the report as a fabricated story, while skepticism over the allegations appear to have grown in Russia. Latvian police have said they have no knowledge of the event, and it remains unclear if Panarin, who leads the Rangers with 18 points, uh, will return this season. The situation could also affect Panarin's participation at the 2022 Olympic Games. And since then, the Rangers have issued some quotes uh, saying this is clearly an intimidation tactic being used against him for being outspoken of recent political events. Artemi is obviously shaken and concerned and will take some time away from the team. The Rangers fully support Artemi and we'll work with him to identify the source of these unfounded allegations. So that's a lot. That's a lot there. That's politics. Wow. That's sports. That's, uh, that's, <clears throat> a, that's a good chunk of info there. A rare story, but an mm. important story nonetheless. So let's start with you here, Josh. What did you make of this when, when, when you just heard about this? Now, I'm going to try and be very careful about what I say and <laughs> how I say it for fear of <laughs> retaliation from the Kremlin. <laughs> 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 but I, I think this crazy. is just you know this is just bullshit like <laughs> allegations from 2011 are there even a statute of limitations in Russia like this is long this is just an attempt to smear his name because of his political views and the, the New York Rangers have issued a statement pretty much saying the exact same thing in more words and more eloquently than I did but um, like it's ridiculous that and unfortunate that he has to go through this in a season where he was producing and they really need him. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, I was most surprised with just like, I'm not saying the Rangers handled this the wrong way. Like I it's okay. You're endorsing him fine, but what, wouldn't it like, if you have, you have three things you can do here, you can endorse him, 
You can defame him even more, or you can just say, be neutral. Just say an invest. We're going to wait till the investigation's done, and then and then we'll talk or we'll handle the situation. Then I'm surprised they didn't go with option number three. Like I, I just feel like endorsing the guy. It's a it's a very bold move. Like it, it just politically, I feel like the right move would just be like the safest moves. Just listen. Like we hear their shit out there. We will not comment. Let's wait to hear what the investigation says. But I guess when this is one of the prized possessions of the league, a face of the league. They don't really have a choice. So that's, that's kind of what the impression I got. When you invest $81.5 million into a, a player, you, you kind of have to have their back regardless of yeah. the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so since we're all journalists here, uh, I might as well kind of drop another quote on you guys that maybe you haven't heard of. It's been kind of a little bit more buried. But... Um, I'm just, I'm just adding all the info that I've found because everything Nick said I know is true and, uh, and I have that as well. But here's a little thing that I found a little extra. New York Post article. <clears throat> Quote, another teammate, Mikhail Ansin, told Russian outlet Sports Express on Wednesday that there was an incident in Riga, Latvia. So this guy, Ansin, is a teammate of, uh, of Panarin. Back to the quote. In 2011, involving Panarin, but it did not play out the way Nazarov depicted. Quote inside a quote, Artemi didn't beat anyone. Maybe pushed one girl a little bit, nothing more. Anshin told Sports Express. So, I mean, now we have to ask ourselves why, what, like if this was just some fabricated story out of thin air, then why did Panarin have, you know, have the necessity to, to run back to Russia and, and kind of drop his, his role here? Um, so I know he didn't beat anyone. I know he didn't uh, do anything as major as the allegations are saying, but it, it does sound like he is kind of worried about a little bit of something there. And, and maybe that's just kind of checking in on his family and making sure that's all squared away. But, I mean, you got to think he's got people for that, for that too with, with the money that he makes. So... I don't know. I, I'm willing to leave the door open just a crack to, as to say, maybe there's something on, on the other side of this that's being blown up. But, um, I mean, he did leave in a hurry, and he, and he didn't even make a, a, a real statement. The Rangers made it for him. So, um, yeah, the, the real question is how long is this going to take? And, and uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. But what do you guys make of that little quote there? Well, I think anything from the New York Post needs to have an asterisk next to it anyways. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Kyle, but it's widely regarded as one of the most hyperbole news organizations out there. Like They are essentially a tabloid newspaper. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if anything they say can be taken at f- face value. Everything needs to be checked with... Uh, not only a grain of salt, but I'd say probably the whole Himalayan mountain range, but <laughs> mm. I see. Yeah. 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 And from yeah, the point, no. like, uh, um, just a translation error where, you know, pushing her around a little bit could have been anything in Russian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You got to be very careful with any news coming out of there. And that's why I just like to lean on the side of, wait till it 
you know, any, when you wait till you hear anything credible. But my, mm -hmm. my, my opinion is, like, he will take care of this. Whatever happened, it will, it will get... He has so many powerful friends. It will get... You know, this will all go away. We, we won't think about this a year from now. I'm sure he will be just fine. <clears throat> I'm sure he will play at the Olympics. It's just a dark chapter well, he's got to deal with right now. And unfortunately, it's it's kind of intermingled with with you know Russia and politics and all that jazz. So it's not a good look right now. But I don't think it's going to end up be, being anything you know material that's going to really hurt him. Well, let me ask you this, guys: um, Does him leaving so suddenly and you know without word of when he's going to come back doesn't that throw more fuel on the fire? Like, doesn't that give the story more more spotlight in a way? Like. If it were me and I know I like everything, I know I didn't, if someone's just spreading rumors about me, I, I would pay it very, very little attention at all, you know? Like, why, why does he have to run back to well, Russia? Well, no, it's to, more than that, Kyle. Like, it's, it's his family. His whole family's there. He's got to go there. He's got to make sure the kids are safe. There's not an assassin, you know, after his family. Like, he's got to look after them. He's got to get know them why, out of there. Why are they still over there? Yeah, then that, that's that's my. If you're gonna be so like, you're very I mean, very loyal. The, the, those people, they're very loyal. A lot of the Russian players, their families are all back home. Well, Nick, like like Nick, if you're he must know that if he's taking us a hard stance against Putin, which he has, and he knows the history of you know what can happen when you do that, then you must have some some pieces in place to protect uh, your family or or move them to somewhere safe or or something like this, like. Like something just doesn't add up here. Like, I feel like he may have. I don't know. It's this. It just doesn't add up. I, I think he should have had a bit more foresight in this case. You 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 think he should have had a contingency plan if this was something? Of course. Of he he's been I mean, at the yeah. forefront of anti-Putin Russian hockey player. You know drama. Now some guys have supported him, but they're not like on the on the forefront like he is. And he must have had some sort of plan in place. And if not. Like maybe that's on him or his agent, but it's just not a good move for him. I think it just blindsided him because we're talking about a report from 2011. That's, that's yeah. a decade ago. So, so why would it be getting so much credibility? Like just ignore it. Like it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Unless, I, unless there's been like someone who's now come forward and is starting to make a big fuss about something. No, you're right. It's a good point. It's a valid point. And it goes to show there's more to this than just what we're reading in these reports. And uh, it's clearly serious to take their best player away from the team for what's probably going to be a while. Like we were talking about this, like quarantining, like he's at least like, like at least t three weeks, you know, like, yeah, yeah. like yeah, just yeah, yeah. get there, come back here. It's going to, it's going to be a while. And that's why we were excited about Lafreniere and his opportunity. We'll get to that. But, well, that's um, why it's so yeah. weird, and especially because he's a leader on this team who, who really needs his help right now. He could be an MVP candidate for all they know. For him to take this leave of absence, it's major, major story. Like, this is huge news. Like, yeah. he's making a big, big leave for this team. It, this is crazy. This, is, this should be getting more play, in my opinion. Well, I think we just got to let it sit and just react as news comes out in the next few weeks. Because we can only speculate, and uh, we just have to wait to hear what comes out next. But for now, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, pretty yeah. pleased. Yeah. I, I got one more question for you guys. Yeah. 
what is a more volatile environment inside of no or the russian locker room in the 2022 olympics you've got guys like panarin going through this and then you've got guys like ovechkin who's an who's an outward putin supporter how are they going to get along how are they going to get along in that dress like this is just going to be mayhem and i'd love to be a on the wall in that room they're going to be fucking terrible i i'm calling it here they're going to be terrible It'll be on. They'll all be on the Russian gas. It won't matter. <laughs> Russian gas yeah, takes care of I everything. I guess so. It's true that that room is going to be uh, a little fucked. And uh, <laughs> oh I, I, yeah, I, I thought I had that same thought too. I thought about Ovechkin, and it's no coincidence he plays in the nation's capital. You know, he's he's almost Putin's you know employee. Settled, settled there and, and to hear the whispers that are happening around Washington. Exactly. And, now, and, and, and then like the second best Russian player in the league is, is a big advocate of the anti-Putin movement. So it's fascinating. And that's oh. a good point. The, the team already looked bad on paper, like, you know, yeah. defensively and whatnot, bottom six. But um, yeah, I, I didn't even consider that character wise. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not very optimistic about this group. Hey, a curveball, Nazarov is the head coach of the team. <laughs> Nazarov? Oh, yeah. No, that'd be good. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. They wouldn't do that, I don't think. Or they would. Who knows? That would be funny. Holy shit. Um, Dylan Cousins is, is fighting. <laughs> no way. Who's he fighting? Uh, Lindgren on New York. Ah, good tilt. Really honestly, good tilt. Really good character tilt. character move. Great character no, move no. by Cousins. So, by the, I, I did see Will's brother the other day. Apparently, I got more details about this fight in Kingston. Yeah. Um, so, apparently, this, this Cousins guy, he was getting beat so bad. His, like, only recourse was he, when he finally got the guy down, this kid he was beating up, he started, like, pulling his hair. And that was, that was his move. Pulling Bullshit. the kid's hair out. I'm not, I'm not buying that. That was his move. He got his ass kicked, and when things got desperate, he went to the <clears throat> hair pull. I am not you, buying that. Well, that's that's from the that that's just what I heard two days ago. So, here's your update. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um. Alrighty, moving on. By the way, Josh, this was like a homecoming story where apparently Cousins was sighted here at Queens Hoco, and uh, he got into a tilt with one of my uh, friends' friends. He's a long way away from Yukon, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I don't particularly... I, I guess... Um, okay, let's, let's go here. Because, because I'm watching this, uh, this Sabres game, um, I just read an athletic article today. It was the top 25 guys to be traded, or the, the, the billboard, so <clears> to speak. And uh, occupying number two on this list, none other than uh, Jack Eichel. So uh, I'd like to open this can of worms, Kyle. Uh, how did we go from this being Jack's team, Bud Light Jack, savior of Buffalo, to what is now an impending trade by the sounds of what you hear from some sources? Well, fuck, where do you start? Where do you start with this team? Um, the Phantom of Buffalo. 
that's what I'm going to call Jack Eichel, the Phantom of Buffalo. Wow. Um, f- I mean, what do, what do you say about that? Like, remember what we said before the year started? Oh, this is going to be such a fun team. Look, look at the pieces they have in place. Like, Buffalo may not make the playoffs, but at least fans will get their due um, kind of enjoyment. And, and it hasn't happened. Like, like, if you look at this team, they're so bloody boring to watch. They play such low-event hockey. It's actually unfathomable how, how shitty they are. You had Taylor Hall come in simply to do one thing, put up points next to Eichel, maybe get a, a bit more dollars on the contract next time he signs, whether that's in Buffalo or elsewhere, whatever. That didn't work. You got Eric Stahl coming in. The guy looks like a fucking dinosaur. That hasn't worked. You have Darlene with a slow start. Your goalies aren't making saves. Sam Reinhardt's been your best player. Like, all this talk about Eichel, and uh, he's, he's played unmotivated hockey, in my opinion. Like, the guy has been, for the most part, very uninspired when I've watched him. Two goals, 14 points in 17 games. It's not because he's got a lack of talent around him. It might be because of uh, Coach Ralph Kruger not knowing how to manage this team. But uh, it's just all bad news in Buffalo. It's actually, it's becoming so laughably bad that I'm, I want it to get worse because I want things to just blow. I just want things to explode in Buffalo. And, uh, and I, can't, I cannot think of a worse run of years than what the Buffalo Sabres have had over the, in this decade. It's been absolutely, it's been crazy. And I don't know how anyone is still like outwardly a Buffalo fan. This is just, this is a disaster. This is a wreck. This is the Edmund Fitzgerald. This is awful. They're yeah, cursed. Like, and, I think and, it's a curse. And it's not a good look when you consider like that whole story with the uh, Ralph Kruger, you know, the, uh, you know, Eichel claimed he got injured, you know, uh, like Kruger said, Eichel got hurt during the warm up in one game and his injury was not related to skipping the morning skate. And then Eichel said he got hurt in, in, a, in a different game, not during the warm up. So like you got you, like media reports basically contradicting one another. You got Rasmus Dalin giving a post game interview where he's depressed and he's talking about how this team is like a failure and how they need to write the ship. <clears throat> Like everything you're hearing is just so negative, overwhelmingly negative. You got memes of Jack Eichel looking like Marv from Home Alone. (laughs) It's not, it's not, not cool. So (laughs) nothing's good. And I agree. I think you're getting your wish and they're losing three, two right now with 10 minutes left against the Rangers. So um, it's fascinating and it's a shame. Uh, Joseph Camilleri, of course, friend of the show, asked me if you being the LA Kings fan, would you like, would you welcome a Jack Eichel trade? And uh, honestly, I, I was kind of mixed. Like I, I said, I, I would like him because you don't often get a generational star in a trade anymore. Like it just doesn't happen. Like the, but I also don't want him because it'll take a pretty penny because, you know, it took quite a bit to, to get Pierre-Luc Dubois. And in my opinion, Eichel is leaps and bounds ahead of Pierre-Luc Dubois. So mm-hmm. what would the asking price be there? Like uh, Byfield, a first in, a, in a, uh, Aiden Dudas? Uh, I think that would be a fair deal, yeah. Exactly. Like that's fucked. And, and, and watch out for your 2022 first, you know? 
because that's going to be the killer mm-hmm. draft. Yeah, like, could I you want, imagine I want getting the Shane. Ball? I still want my Shane Wright lottery ball. You know, I can't lose that. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. It's but uh, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the Rangers are the front runners. I'm I'm sure you've heard that little report. I don't know how accurate that can be and how how much we can lean on that. But uh, what does that deal look like? Like, if you're a Rangers fan, are are you dealing laugh uh, for Eichel one for one? Is that something you would uh, you would entertain? I don't think they would because it's just too early, too early to to make that call. But um, yeah, they are they are definitely in the in the driver's seat for that deal, and it makes sense given given of course they need a center. I mean, Ryan Strom is not a not a top six center in my mind. Um, so if if you were predicting here, Josh. Would you say Jack Eichel will be traded by season's end, or is this just media, uh, just just to get some clicks? Well, I think given how the cap is flat and no teams have any money, it's going to be difficult to form any packages that would uh, take on his salary. In a hypothetical, I think uh, you know there's there could be um, you know if I was New York, I would I would seriously consider taking him from Lafreniere. Like you get the known commodity for an unknown commodity, especially mm-hmm. given the timeline of some of their players. You know, Panarin <clears throat> is still under 30, but he's not going to be, you know, the guy, he's not going to be the guy for another five years. I think their timeline is different than Lafreniere's timeline. And mm-hmm. same with Capo Caco, like where has that guy been? He still has some trade value. I'm sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if you're the well, that's the thing. If you're the Rangers, you kind of can think about it like this: if if Laugh ends up being on the Eichel territory in terms of his talent, then then that's kind of the ceiling that you'd you'd hope he he would get to. Now Eichel's already there; it's it's a guaranteed commodity, and he's a center. So if I'm the Rangers and I want to just put my rebuild on, like, all right, we're we're good, we're ready to go. I, I, it's something you have to consider. Would I make the move as the Rangers GM? No, because I'm a, I'm a laugh fan, but I think it's something you have to consider. And a mar- talk about a marketable star. Like Eichel is as, as you know, American star as they come in, in, you know, the capital of the United States. It's just, it, it just makes a lot of sense there. But um, that's the thing I will say. I think it's inevitable now. Eichel will be traded. Like, I don't think this is media hype at all anymore. Like, think about this, boys. We, we haven't seen Jack Eichel play a playoff game. How sad is that? That is just the – that's, that's un, unthinkable. That's, that can't go on. A, a player of that, uh, of that caliber, it just cannot go on. This will happen, and I think uh, eventually, sometime soon, if this losing streak keeps going, he's going to ask for a trade. And then you ask yourself, when is the last time a captain and, – and not only that, but a young captain has asked for a trade out of his city. That is just unheard of. I'm not sure it's ever happened. But, no, go on, Josh. Oh, I was just going to say, they better make a decision quickly because in 2022, his full no-trade clause kicks in, and then the decision isn't there as it's his on whether he wants to leave to the team that they have a deal with. So, if they want to make a trade that's best for them, it'll have to be during the season or before July 1st of the new year. Otherwise, they're going to be um, 
they're going to be at his his will as to where mm-hmm. he wants to go. And you know what's a crazy poetic injustice with this all? I heard someone debating, have you ever heard of a player in this last decade who's come to Buffalo from another team and, and overachieved? It may have happened to one guy. His name's Jeff Skinner. Happened, happened for one year. He got 40 goals, and now he's got the worst contract in the league. Now, if you flip it the other way, have you ever heard of guys leaving Buffalo and, and, and uh, overachieving? Yeah, how about Ryan O'Reilly? How about, how about that guy? Like, it's just Buffalo seems to be a curve. Like, I thought Brandon Montour was a good defenseman. Not in Buffalo. Colin Miller, not in Buffalo. Taylor Hall, not in Buffalo. Like, what, what is going on with this team? It's crazy what is happening here. It's just, this is a cursed franchise. There's no, like, at least Ottawa is shit, and they have a lot of great, you know, exuberance, youthful exuberance, a lot of talent, just fun to watch, but nothing in Buffalo, a wasteland. God, it's just so sad. <laughs> I can't handle it. Kyle, when you said that, the first thing I thought of was, the 06, 07 Sabres. And I don't know why, but that's immediately where my mind went to because they were like my favorite team to play with in NHL 07. Right. Was Breer, that like the Briere of Finneganov? Yeah. Yeah, Finneganov. Oh, my God. Yeah. Derek, Derek Waugh. Yeah. Brian like, Campbell I'm sh- on the back end, just whipping it around. Oh, my. And oh, Ryan Miller back there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure we've all got memories as Toronto GTA kids of going to Buffalo for a game because it's cheap and seeing Buffalo versus God knows who and just having a great time because, you know, they were awesome back then. Those were fun, fun years. But, man, oh, man, how things have changed. Very sad. And there was real hope with the new ownership coming in a couple of years ago to turn it around and just hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah, and I mean the the Pagulas have have put money forward. It's that money's not been the issue. They've they've done their part money wise. It's just well, I it's don't the know culture too. I think yeah, I yeah. think it, we've all seen teams throw money at players, and for the most part, it, it doesn't always it doesn't work out. Um, but it's about that that culture, right? We've seen teams that <clears throat> haven't been spending the cap that have succeeded. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to ask yourself what's differentiating them right outside of the spending right yeah yeah and and the problem is buffalo's been in the past really quick trigger finger to to fire coaches and uh while i do think ralph Kruger should get the cut here like he should be out of there um they can't necessarily justify like paying all these coaches you know beyond beyond their uh their contract so if they do fire Ralph, you're going to have to bring in a new guy, keep paying Ralph. It's just, it's, I don't know what to do here, but before anything major happens, I think you need to consider the, the coaching change and whether you can shake that culture up. Uh, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. It's very, it's very difficult. They need to bring that Bill's mafia vibes to, to the team. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel bad for guys like, Dylan Cousins, who I, you know, who has a really bright future ahead of him. And you just hope that this culture doesn't seep into the veins of such a player, you know, such a, such a happy-go-lucky, positive, hardworking player, you know? We'll him, see. Darlene, I mean, yeah, he was supposed to be the Darlene guy, right? Pissed. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he hasn't really been that first overall guy yet, you know? He, has, he hasn't been on the stage of a Makar or, or even a Hughes. He hasn't had that, you know, dynamic offense. He's got, the numbers are great. Like, the numbers in his first two, two years are great. They're not great this year, and he's not been that game-breaking talent yet. So that is still another shoot. At, I mean, defensemen take a little bit longer, but that's still got to come around. He has, he has to carry the defensive load too. I'm like, I'm a car um, in, in Colorado because the team around him is so much better where they play yeah. team defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's R- true. Ristolainen was out for over three weeks. Who's their best defensive defenseman. And we'll see if, if his impact can open it up for Dalian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm a, mar- I'm a, I'm a guy that way. I know Nick is too, where I hope for chaos in a lot of situations. I'm really curious to see what happens if they keep losing, but, uh, that it'd be nice for them to get a little bit of, uh, attention off them with a few wins, you know, but we'll see. I find I find like the decline of Dalin to be one of the most interesting topics there because like 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 this guy was praised so much going to that draft and I never understood what all the hype was about and then sure enough you know rookie season second year there there'd be segments you know, I'd watch him make plays and stuff like a breakout out of his zone or a nifty pass on the power play mm-hmm. and I'd be impressed but you haven't seen him progress it's it's like it's just been stagnant like the past right. two to three yeah. years. And he almost, he almost gets a free pass because there's always all this more attention brewing in Buffalo, like Eichel and stuff. Yeah. And now, and Skinner. And now, and now, like, people remember, oh, yeah, there's a first overall pick on that team who was supposed to be a generational defenseman who's uh, far from that in his, whatever it's in, third, fourth year. Right. And uh, I find that equally fascinating. That, that's one mm-hmm. of the points. That, like, if I was at Kelly's Corner in Buffalo and I was sitting at the bar, that would be the first question I ask. I wouldn't ask him about Skinner because I know they're just going to shit on him. I wouldn't ask about Eichel because they'd probably admit he's going to be traded. I'd ask about Deline and what they see in him. Like a fair evaluation of who that guy is and what his future yeah. is with the team. Is he a top four defenseman? Is he just that? Is he a top two defenseman? Is he, is he a future superstar? I'd like to just get their assessment. Right, 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 right. Yeah. It's, well, it's, maybe it's, he's the guy we should be thinking about trading then. Because I think, oh, one his his salary is much more easy to digest for a team, and two, um, you know, defensemen are late bloomers. So there's probably a team out there that's willing to pay for that number one pick price to get a guy who, in their mind, might not have yet reached his full potential. But I agree, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he has stagnated, and it is disappointing to see. Um, I I still have fond memories of him kind of dipsy doodling at the world juniors and everyone was in awe of his skill just hasn't translated th- thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it must be like such a weight on this guy too. I'm sure it is, but they, Hey, that's, that's the nature of being a first overall pick. You get, you get drafted by a shitty team and you have to be part of that solution. That's just how it goes, you know? So um, it's not like he's facing anything new. So, yeah, that, it, it is some, something to monitor. Buffalo is a really shitty organization. I mean, when you have players who flat out quit and just leave money on the table, like uh, who is the, the Swedish player who was on 
the Blues a couple of years ago. Um, oh, not Sabotka. He left like eight million dollars on the table just to go back home. I heard about that. Berglund, Patrick yeah, Berglund. Yeah, I think so. Which is just crazy. <laughs> I can't. Believe that's crazy, man. Oh boy, I don't know what it is. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. <laughs> and yet you're, and yet you're the guy, Kyle, who when I asked, would you rather be drafted to Buffalo or one of the three Californian teams? You always answered Buffalo. So I, I you, still, I, I stand answer? by that. No, I stand by that. What do you think of that answer, Josh? Is he full of shit? Sorry, can you say that again? I was looking at Berglund. Kyle, Kyle's prospective prospect in the NHL draft. Mm-hmm. He's an okay player. He might get drafted in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm better than that. And a multitude of teams can pick him, of course, 31 teams. And he has the choice. Let's say he had the choice between Buffalo or one of the three California teams. He would prefer to be drafted by Buffalo. Do you think that's nonsense? I think that's absolute nonsense. The, the lifestyle alone would be a draw to go to <laughs> Southern California. <laughs> like Kyle, I know you like chicken wings, but they have Buffalo Wild Wings in all three of those cities. So you're not missing too much. Well, can I justify my position? I, I'd like try. to try. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take you back to 2017 to the Colorado Avalanche. Who were who posted up a forty-four point one of the worst seasons ever, ever, and that that's when all the Duchesne drama started. Nathan McKinnon went on to quote, "You know, as bad as it was here, wouldn't you love to be the guy that's part of the solution? Like that's that's what would be my motivation for all these Buffalo players is that." You are going into such a dire situation. Wouldn't you love to be the hero or part of the solution that brings them out of there? Like whoever brings this team to the playoffs, whether it's Eichel, Darlene, whoever, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a statue for making the playoffs. For Christ's sakes, if you do any sort of damage there, you're gonna be a national hero in ter- in these guys' eyes. Like it's that's, that's what you have to look at. If you play well in L.A., great. L.A.'s already a storied franchise in the last decade. But Buffalo, hero. Hero status immediately. That's my perspective on it. Interesting. So you that's, like that's the pressure. You want, you, want, you want the pressure <clears throat> of, of, like, it, you seem too positive. What happens if it doesn't happen? What happens if you, if you don't fix the team? Like Deline. This sounds like an NHL be a pro. Like, just turn off <laughs> yeah. the Xbox and go to sleep, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to be confident in yourself, right? Like, at That's least you have if, to be. If, if, if Trevor Zegris slips in Anaheim, no one's going to know anything. And he's still exactly. going nice, to get a nice cushy contract. He's going to get a nice beach house. And that'll be that. No pressure. I know, but Nick, we are at the uh, center of the hockey universe. Not only us in the GTA, but us as hockey fans. I couldn't tell you if I've seen a Ryan Getzloff game in my life, in my whole life. If Trevor Zegers ends up being a Hall of Famer, I won't watch him play. And, and half the people I know won't. It's, that's the difference here. Like Buffalo, you'll, get, you'll play Toronto all the time. You'll get media. Like you will be a hero. You'll be a star. You will disappear in California. Unless you win a cup or something, you will disappear. 
Well, isn't that the goal in Buffalo is to win a cup? How are you going to turn them around if you don't win? Well, anywhere so you go, hypothetical, you'd be winning the cup, right? Wherever you are. Well, went. I don't know. Those three other, those three California teams are pretty shit too. And, and you have to have the confidence that eventually your team will, uh, will figure it out, you know? Really? You wouldn't want to be on Anaheim or, uh, or LA coming out with all these prospects? No. Well, again, like, again, that, that'll make me just, I don't know. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with what I said. I'd rather, you'd rather win in Buffalo. That's, that's the end of it. If you assume you're going to win anywhere you go, then you'd rather win in Buffalo. Wouldn't you rather go to a, a franchise like Arizona and take them out of the turmoil that they've been facing the past couple of months, save them from the embarrassment no, that's, of, that's different. of drafting that's different. a like a a predator? And uh, that's different. I don't I don't like Arizona. <laughs> Did you guys see that he? Uh, what's his name? I don't even want to say his name. Mitch Miller. He. he uh, was interviewed and tried to do like a redemption story and the family was just like like we don't fuck with you right now <laughs> that's great that's I mean, great as, as i it love should that. be like it's purely to make amends not for oh. for like what he feels but because he realizes his career is over this guy should never play in the league him and that fucking rat uh, D'Angelo should never play in this league. Go to the KHL. Well, that's the thing is that there's probably will they'll, they'll go to Riga and you know ten years later we'll hear a story of them who beat up a woman or something like that. Yes, at this yes. time we'll believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They'll never. They'll be speaking Russian. They will never come back here again. But I did hear, now that you brought up D'Angelo, um, or I read that the Rangers are open to letting him play for another organization on loan, which I do think is a classy move by them to, uh, you know, not end his career, but obviously not help it either. Well, just to add to that, uh, I heard it was on loan to an AHL roster. That's, yes. That's what it, that's what I've just seen on this broadcast uh, like 20 minutes ago is like uh, D'Angelo's pleading or something to be loaned to an AHL roster just to play. Yeah, but not Hartford. He's not welcome. No, 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 no. Which I don't think he should be allowed to play anywhere, to be honest. Except for like, overseas. Well, and just like that, Buffalo has lost again 3-2 three to, to the Rangers. So there's your update from my game. Um, I've, wow. now switched, I've now switched the Montreal game. Um, and moving on. So those are our three big topics, our three big discussion points. Now we're going to go into a little bit more of a shotgun mode. Um, arr, arr. Little, little smaller topics here, but worth talking about nonetheless. So just uh, about 10 days ago, uh, the league hosted yet another uh, dose of outdoor games. This time with uh, no fans, uh, no football stadium. Instead, chose a remote location in a place Kyle just learned about 10 days ago. Didn't even know this place existed. <laughs> Lake Tahoe. Um, I, I had to teach him about where it was located. Um, yeah. And, that, and that, that goes that for you. And anyways, the one little tweet I have here from, uh, just to put into perspective how the game went, 
This was between Colorado and Vegas, the first game of the two. Play began at 3.12 Eastern time, but mushy ice forced a halt to Saturday's Colorado-Vegas game after the first period. The game didn't resume until 12.02 a.m., and it ended at 1.50 a.m., meaning it took more than 10 hours from puck drop to conclusion. The eight-hour-plus delay led NBC to move the final two periods of the telecast to its NBCSN cable channel rather than preempting Saturday Night Live at 11.30. The effect on the game's TV audience was stark. The first period averaged 1.35 million viewers on broadcast TV for NBC and 1.39 million with streaming. That was a promising start, but the final two periods averaged just 361,000. That means about a million viewers tuned out between that 10-hour stretch. So um, you guys are media junkies. Uh, what, what, what do you think? What, what did you think of this? Was, was this, uh, was this a, a fair attempt to try to think of something new? Let's have this in some remote, you know, Alaskan-looking location and, and, uh, and, and have these lads play a game? Or, or were you guys, you know, when you saw things get out of control, were you guys shaking your heads as media people and being, this is going to be a tough blow for NBC. Um, you can go first, uh, Kyle. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it uh, really quick with two points. Uh, first point, uh, from a TV perspective, I thought it was a lot better than the football um, setup. I just thought that the backdrop would just added a really neat element and, and just the scenery in general. I thought that was really cool. Uh, second point, what the fuck was the NHL thinking? What were they thinking with this stupid Lake Tahoe? When you said where Lake Tahoe was, the fact that it was so south just blew my mind. Like, do, why do you need to go there? Like, like Paul Bissonnette said it perfectly. There's a lot of cold, nice places too. Like, it doesn't have to be in this fucking location where it's like, oh, yeah, we've got a few mountains here. There's thousands of places you could have gone. Why did it have to be there where you had such a risk of sun exposure and, and hotter weather? It just blows me away. And, and yes, they got bitten by it. Go figure. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? What are you thinking? Ridiculous. Next question. So, gosh, you, you, you were pretty spot on with your take. Um, I think from a marketing standpoint, this is exactly what the NHL wanted. From a practicality standpoint, it couldn't have gone worse. Um, <laughs> you had several locations in the COVID-free North Division that they could have chosen to play at. Instead, they decided to bring two teams from separate divisions, or sorry, four teams from separate divisions and bring them into this one rink. Um, you know, taking Boston and was it Washington or Pittsburgh? Who do they play? Sorry. Philadelphia. Philadelphia out of the proverbial East bubble brought them over into crossing swords, so to speak. And, you know, it was just a disaster. I, I was one of those viewers who tuned out after the 10 hour delay. I, I was not going to stay up till one thirty in the morning to watch the game. Uh, although the sound bites afterwards were worth it. Hearing Petrangelo, uh, when McKinnon was coming down the wing was pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, thing. I, it made, it made, go ahead, Kyle. 
No, no, no. Go on, go on, go on. No, I made for good TV. Like we, Kyle and I were at the same location and it was, it was a fun watch and it, and it looks, it looks great at night. They shouldn't have scheduled these games during the day. Like just play them at night. Like, like, especially with the weather situation, like mistake number one, of course, was the Southern climate. Mistake number two was trying to, was trying to drop the puck at noon, you know, hottest part of the day. It looks better at night. The lighting just looks amazing on those Nordique sweaters. Like it was just a much better look um, at at night, and uh, and they should have just done that, and, and and that way they could have avoided the whole the whole mess. Uh, mm. I mean, it, it really made no sense. You're going to get more viewership at night. Like uh, I I don't care if you got to compete for Saturday Night Live. Like make it happen. Well, yeah. So at night you can't see the fact they're playing uh, on Lake Tahoe, and that good, was yeah yeah. Right, right. That's a big one, right? So I guess that's why they do the football ones at night because you don't really care about the stadium. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, you're right. I mean, you know that they do have a history of successful outdoor games. They played in California uh, twice, I believe, with uh, with no issues. I ice is always going to be a problem with outdoor games because uh, there's no temperature regulation. You can only do so much underneath it and in between periods to keep it playable, but uh, I, I think the NHL got everything they wanted out of this out of this event, the spectacle. They got uh, not only did they get the games, they got extra media attention because of the the postponement. People were questioning the decision, and ultimately, I think uh, they went with the any press is good press mentality and were happy with it. Mm. I will say my last story on the topic is that Nick and I were in a restaurant in uh in Calabogi and uh we had noticed the delay was on and the first thing we saw was that fucking buffoon trying to kill time like falling over doing the golf shots like that was so ridiculous the most cringeworthy thing the NHL has done in in the last 100 years probably 100 years uh we didn't hear even any audio i just simply looked at the screen i saw some guy trying to like swing his swing his driver and, and fall over very, very obviously on purpose. And I just shook my head and I went back to my beverage. <laughs> I just thought that was goofy as frig. Yeah, it was not a, not a good look. Again, just wasting time. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it, was, it was just... Good thing it happened to NBC and not like CBC, you know? Not, wouldn't, wouldn't have been a good look oh for, my gosh. Our, for our friends up north here. But I, oh I care less about, about their look. Um. But yeah, I mean, just to end this, do you think we see another one of these? Another one of these remote? Is this kind of the norm? Or do you think it's we're going to go back to the football stadium when fans are allowed to congregate next season? Uh, I hmm. think we're going to see more outdoor games. I think the NHL really likes the idea of having both where they get the spectacle. And I think Lake Louise is going to be a real option in the next couple of years just based on the feedback they received from uh, fans and media. And then stadiums, it's all about the money, right? If you can pack 100,000 people into a game and uh, quadruple your gate, you're going to do it every time. Yeah, I'm with Josh here. I think a a mix of both could work. Perhaps specifically, uh, you could use the states. And in the states, you could use the football formula get that gate revenue, get those, those ticket buyers. 
Uh, and then in Canada, where, where you can uh, really rely on, you know, eyeballs on the screen, maybe you can do that, Lake Louise. Maybe you don't need to have, you know, so many people watching. Uh, maybe I think that could be a, a good formula moving forward. I just, I can't believe that they didn't do it at Lake Louise to begin with. It was, oh, I know. It was the clear choice. It had the temperature. It had the scenery. It had no COVID, mm. which is, I think, still should be a major consideration when they do these type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's wild. I, I Sorry, think, guys. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think maybe the, the why they didn't go with the Lake Louise and they chose a Tahoe is because more, let's be honest, they're trying to get the American viewers as, as much as they can. And I think they can really identify with Tahoe rather than, than this Canadian wherever it is kind of thing in their eyes that is for sure and that's always been Batman's mo is to um favor american expansion over uh the canadian diehard base because he knows they're not going anywhere and uh you know he's been successful in some places and he's been uh not so successful in other places but in order for the league to survive they need the U.S. market. I I saw a post on Instagram recently about salaries in the NHL ten years ago. The highest paid player was around ten million dollars. Highest paid player this year is fifteen million dollars. In the NBA, mm-hmm. the highest paid player ten years ago was around twenty four million dollars. This year, it's forty three million dollars. So, oh my god, the salary, the salaries are going up in every league except for the NHL and. Uh, it's up to Batman and the rest of the owners to figure out a way to to make that uh, the game more appealing to other people who might not know about the sport and would be interested. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think from that perspective, growing the game, that's why they do the things in, in China and that's why they do uh, the, 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 the European road trips and stuff like that. Like It's all about growing the game. Mm-hmm. If it was in... Mm-hmm. If it was for the player's interest, they would never do it because it's obviously not in the best interest of the players to be traveling unnecessarily. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I will not comment. I'm, I'm just flustered right now. I, I've lost a shutout with 12 seconds left in a game. So there you have oh. it. Oh, God. That'll put you down. That's a bad feeling. That will put you right down. Yes, sir. Okay, moving on. Question for you, Kyle. Did you watch the Sportsnet Mike Babcock interview last week? I watched it earlier today. Yes, I did. Here's the story. Babcock has returned to the spotlight in the past few months after time away. He worked with the University of Vermont men's hockey team. He joined NBC part-time as a studio analyst, and he spoke to the Athletics' Pierre Lebrun about a number of topics. Most recently, he was hired as head coach of the University of Saskatchewan men's hockey team. Last Wednesday, before the Flames played uh, Blabcock's last team, the Leafs, Sportsnet aired a sit-down interview conducted with Christine Simpson. While Babcock might have been looking to clear the air, he instead came off as defensive and at times didn't really put the onus on himself for what transpired. Not going to read the quotes. The one thing, the, the one that stuck out to me was, quote, Oh, yes. Or he went after Sportsnet in the interview and asked if he disputes the stories. Oh, yes, but I also 
Let's get this clear before you know how you guys can edit this stuff. I've tried my very best to treat people right. I still do. You can't have a family I have and the opportunities I've had without treating people good. Have I crossed the line ever? Absolutely. And saying that when you get into mental health, that's a way different program. No one ever should be in that situation. So when you cross the line, you have to own that. It sure doesn't sound like Babcock is owning it. So uh, that's what I got. Um, I thought this was stupid. And I think he's, again, like he's making a, we've talked about this with Joe a few weeks ago. Like he again explained the Marner situation. He came off very defensive. Every time he tries to explain that story, he sounds like a dumb dumb because there's no justifying it. There's no, any way he articulates it, he, he ends up sounding like a Muppet every time. <laughs> and, and, and I just, and then hearing this stuff about, like when she asks, have you crossed the line? He's like, like, how could, like, I've raised a great family. I'm a family man. Family men don't cross lines. Like, 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 don't bring that shit into this. Like, just because you're a good father, that means you're all of a sudden a good person. Like that, that's your excuse. So I, I, again, it was five minutes where I, I, I don't think it was a particularly good look for him. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I just thought I'd, uh, open the table here and see if you guys, what you guys thought of it. Do you have, uh, did you see the thing, Josh? Yeah, I did. I don't really have an opinion on it. I think um, he's going to Saskatchewan, which, you know, is the Alabama of Canada. So it <laughs> says enough about everything. Come on, man. Hey, listen, if he wants to marry his cousin, be my guest. <laughs> Come on. You're way out. You know how many people from Saskatchewan listen to this show? Hey, Randy. You're pay- you're, pick- you're picking a lot of battles here. That's what you're doing. Okay. I, uh, Go I, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a contrarian opinion on, on this one, Nick. So you, were, allowed- you, you, you thought he played his cards beautifully? It was a full house for Ma- Mike Babcock. Or no, no, not a full house. Not a full house. Not a full house. But he, may, he, he raised some decent points. Like he said, basically what, what I got from this is he's a hard-ass coach. I think we can all agree on that. He, he pushes buttons. He tries to get the most out of guys, and sometimes he crosses the line. He admitted that. Um, but like you've, you've coached probably like 700 players in your career. Of course, one, two, maybe six of them are going to have a problem with you. And he's mentioned several times that he's coached guys who later hired him. He coached Stevie Eiserman, who later hired him to be coach of Team Canada or whatnot. He coached Brendan Shanahan, who later hired him to be coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, he can't all be all that bad. I mean, that's not how I – he can't be all bad is what I should say. I, I know there's definitely probably stories where he's definitely been in the wrong. But, uh, but to, put, to, put the, to put such an absolute on it, I think is a little extreme. Um, yeah, he came off super defensive. Like it, it really looked like he was like, like running away from a, from a taser for the most part. But, uh, no, I think he made some decent points. And I, and again, I'll stand by what I said the other week. I think we'll see him in the NHL again, uh, in the next three years. With Arizona. 
Hey, maybe. Maybe that is, yeah. Him and Mitch Miller, his new star player. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Hey, another thing on that, remember that McKinnon thing I said where why did he come to Toronto? Because he wanted to be part of a solution um, for a team, a storied team. He, he wanted that kind of accolade to his name. So I, I, I respect that. Yeah, but the key difference between where he was going and where you wanted to go in Buffalo is <laughs> it's Buffalo. I guess so, yeah. Hey, he could be a great coach of Buffalo. That's what he could do. Where he That's should have he gone originally, be. right? That was like the other yeah. contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Um, that would have been great. Well, well, they, would, well, they would have won the lottery. Yeah. Well, let, let me uh, – I, I got a question for you guys. <clears throat> I, I'm wondering if maybe uh, Babcock is wearing these goat horns and maybe like a lot of the things that he's pulled, many of many coaches in the league have pulled as well. Like, like – are we not going to hear a bunch of stories about John Tortorella like doing similar kind of antics? Don't, don't you think he's done similar, but, but yet he's in this, this limelight of this great coach and he's gotten so much out of his teams. Like, don't you think he's done some pretty raw shit too? Haven't we already seen a few coaches get backlash for this? Mark Crawford comes to mind. Wasn't there um, another coach who was actually – an NHL coach who had to step down because of issues. Bill Peters. Well, that yeah. was that was racially driven. That's kind of a that's a different story. And it's wasn't still, Bill Peters it's still also verbal, considered? It's still verbal abuse, and it, it all falls upon that kind of backlog. But, yeah, you uh, hear. Yeah, um, the mule. What's his name? Uh, Holmgren. Franzen. 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 Talking about having nightmares when he. When he thinks about Babcock, like that's a lasting, that's a lasting mark that he left, and that definitely crossed the line, not once, not twice, but consistently. And as a coach, you have to recognize your behavior. Right? Even if you, people aren't going to say anything, it's an awkward position when you have that power dynamic, right? Mm. Well, uh, I'll, I'll counter with this. I bet you Jonathan Drouin had nightmares of John Cooper with his time in Tampa Bay. Now, now let me paint that picture for you. You're a third overall pick. You've got all the confidence in the world. John Cooper invites you into his office in your rookie year, sits you down. Yeah, listen, uh, Jonathan, I just, uh, I just don't think you're that good. And uh, you're not going to get a lot of ice time here. End of end of meeting. Like that's a pretty raw fucking thing to do as well. And that was years, years of burying this guy and nearly ruining his career, to be honest. So I don't know. Was there, he there's wrong? things that what's that? Was he wrong? What is Drew M then? He was wrong. He was absolutely wrong. I think Drew M was a byproduct of your fabled moosehead system. No, God no. <laughs> was just being carried by McKinnon. No, no, that's total baloney. Total baloney. Because J- Jonathan Duran did everything in his power to earn more minutes there. And he was super dynamic. And I've got a long history. I, I, I paid money to watch his AHL games, Josh. That's how, that's how much I followed this story. I paid $6 to watch an AHL game. So then Never been done. It's me, never been done. 
So but tell I did me that. why he hasn't produced with Montreal. I'll tell you why. Because they, um, first of all, Cooper fucked with his confidence. And then when he got to Montreal, Julian stuck him at center, which wasn't his natural position. And then after that, they just kind of played him 15 minutes a night and said, uh, you know, chip in with an assist here and there. Like, they've, they've totally shackled his creativity. And, and I'm really hoping that Dominic Ducharme can really unlock that because it's such a shame what's happened to his career. And it all, it all stems from Cooper. Like, this guy, like, Cooper is a nightmare for this player. I'm telling you. Like, he has considered killing Cooper at least twice in his, in his life. At least he reminds me of, uh, you ever watched the movie Goon? Yep. He reminds me of the, the star player who lost his confidence and was afraid to get hit, and he needed that, uh, that goon to protect him so that he can get the confidence back and feel comfortable on the ice and not worry about his teammates coming to protect him. Maybe you're right, yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it, but his development was totally fucked. The French-Canadian parallels and whatnot, but uh, I I think you're just uh, a Drew and Stan, to be honest. But uh, But I'd love to hear Nick's opinion. Why is that? Why would I be a Drew and Stan? Because everything you've said to defend him has deflected blame on everyone except for himself. At what point does the leash get tightened and it's not a prospect who has been stunted in his development by some maniacal coach who was out to get him. And does he like start to produce the same way that we all expected when he was drafted third overall? That's, that's the thing. That is the thing. He did exactly what he was billed to do in, in Tampa Bay. When they finally gave him minutes, you know, he, in, in the 2015, 2016 playoff, playoff run when they made it to the conference finals he was he was among their top three best players as a as a showcase he, he had 14 points in 17 games he was incredible and then the next year he had 53 points in 73 games trajectory going great when they finally gave him minutes and then it all went downhill what's the difference between tampa bay and montreal well, Mon- well, Tampa Bay at the time, at, at least, and still to this day, they, they let their offensive players be offensive players. Montreal Nick, say, is, is Tampa Bay a better team? Do they have more players that can help insulate a young player, help them develop? Well, you could say that, but, but sticking a guy on the fourth line is not the way to do that, which is what happened. That's what happened for the most of his time there. Un- until they wanted to showcase him for for the purpose of a trade, and then they finally gave him minutes. He started producing, and then it just it was just it's a nightmare. It, it was all a nightmare. Doesn't he also have attitude issues? Has like wasn't no, he God, like no. wasn't he originally like pegged as another Josh Hosang? No, God, he, no. Where he couldn't get along with teammates, and he had this uh, arrogance about him as the third overall pick coming into a team that was contending and he thought he could just step in and, you know, pick up right where he left off with the moose head. I feel like that story has been lost in a lot of the shuffle. Well, um, 
I think what well, the confidence that he had, the the what you call arrogance, was definitely earned. Like this, this guy was one of the greatest junior players that we've seen in the last decade. There, there's absolutely no like, there's no denying that. He was uh, he was a legend, an absolute legend in the queue. Like he had, he he almost, I think he had a better legacy than Lafreniere did in the queue. Because he, With I, I mean. No, I mean, Josh, I mean, look at the 2013-2014 season. No McKinnon, 108 points in 46 games. Playoffs, 41 points, 16 games. 41 points in 16 games, no McKinnon with you. Hey, That's Connor unheard Brown of. Led, Connor Brown led the OHL in scoring too, but you don't see him lighting up the league. It, the, year, the year in his draft year when McKinnon was with him, you know who won CHL Player of the Year? It wasn't McKinnon. It was, it was Jonathan Drouin, CHL Player of the Year. Not McKinnon. Jonathan Drouin. This guy, was, this guy was big time, man. I'm telling you. This guy was the shit back in the day. And he could have been the shit today, but John Cooper fucking fucked him for it. I'm well, telling you, this is crazy. I think, you, I think, again, you've taken things off the rails with this, <laughs> this conversation. You're and right, we, right, we started right. just talking about a coach who was being hard on his players. <laughs> There's that part of the interview where he, she asks if he's, if he's made good with Franzen. Apparently, he texted him. Franzen R-bombed him. Uh, that's all that needs to be said. Okay? If John Cooper texts Jonathan Drouin, I don't think he's getting an R-bomb. I don't think it's yeah, that serious. Is. I don't it think is. so. But the point is, it's, it's a different subject matter. And... While I think he was defensive, and we can agree on that, and you might think that interview went better for Babs than I think, I still think he's doing a pretty good job of getting his way back. I think the, the University of Saskatchewan thing is a good call. It shows he's going back to home, to his home roots. He's, he's, he's coaching a good moral cause, and I think slowly but surely he'll find his way behind a bench at some point. Don't know when, but at some point he will. Do you agree with that, uh, Josh? Do you in like in five years, next five years, is, is my Babcock behind a bench again? I could see it. I could see a team being desperate enough to make the move. It wouldn't be without a lot of backlash. And I think it would have to be a perfect situation. Um, it would. I can't even imagine which team would be bold enough to make that move. Uh, I'd love to hear if you have any speculation or speculative guesses but uh right now I, I think it's possible do i think it's likely and can i name a team no i couldn't i yeah i couldn't name a team either but i i would just think it would have to be a veteran team with a core good established core can't get over the hump need to add some kind of a guy who's going to hold people accountable so that the veterans don't slack and hopefully can get put over the hump like yeah i don't see him coming in for a rebuild i don't think that's who he is um i don't like a seattle that like that that, that's not a fit so i think i think it would have to be that's why we heard about him in washington he was apparently the runner-up to lavoillette so that would be my best guess Mm. Um, yeah okay we're gonna move on here uh to a story that got my attention just two nights ago, this uh, this really this really uh, got my ears to perk up. 
Wow. That's rare. San Jose, San Jose versus St. Louis. 7-6 game. But the most memorable moment of a back-and-forth 13-goal game between the two teams might have come when <clears throat> Blues goaltender Jordan Binnington lost his composure after getting pulled midway through the second. Binnington went after three Sharks players when he was replaced after allowing his fourth goal on 19 shots. Billy Huso came in and the Blues got the win after scoring three times in the first 17 minutes of a back-and-forth final period. While skating off the ice, Binnington shoved Redeem Simic by the bench, put his stick in Eric Carlson's face near center ice, and then got, got into it with Sharks goalie Devin Dubnik before finally leaving the ice. I guess he was frustrated, Dubnik said. I don't know why he's just skating around pretending to punch guys. I just told him to get off the ice and calm down. Bennington's reaction team seemed to spark the team. As Coach Craig Murphy said, he's a fiery guy. That's kind of the way he is. We've seen that in the past from him. I don't think a penalty was warranted. He's trying to rally the team. That's what he's trying to do. Huso came on and stopped 13 shots the rest of the way in the second. Blues tied it late. And um, yeah, went on to win on a Marco Scandella goal. So there you have it. Uh, I of course was wa- I was watching this live and then uh, and then and then Josh sent uh, the little or he he asked what was going on and I sent a video into the group chat so um, <clears throat> I mean what what you, let me just put it for you this way Kyle let's say like hypothetically me and you are on the same uh, uh, Aurora Double A team like seven years ago eight years ago <laughs> yeah and and I'm the I'm the I'm the goalie I'm the backup goalie but I got the start for this game. And and I and I pull this antic as the coach pulls me in the second period. Are you thinking in your mind, what an idiot! Like he, he's been, he's so she's been shit all game, and now he's going out like this. Or would you be? Or would you be there in your skates going, "Wow, I'm fired up! Let's go! Let's go! Fucking rally and win this game!" What what, what would you think? I'd be like, this guy is such a clown, <laughs> and uh, and I'd be fired up that you're getting the hell off the ice. <laughs> Like, finally, you, you've already had a shit game. Like, that's, that's already <laughs> been established. You've shit the bed for us, for the team, for the boys. That's, and now you're pulling this shit? Like, this isn't firing up anybody. The only thing that's fired up, people are fired up about, is the gate closes and you're gone. But like, this guy is an idiot. What is he thinking? So, so that all the teammates support, the coach, that's all just trying to save face? Oh, it's mumbo-jumbo. Absolutely. Josh? Um, I, I blanked out for a second. Can you tell me the question again? <laughs> <laughs> if this, like, oh, sorry. The you, Benner stuff. Yes. Okay. I remember. Do you um, have, do you have like, do you see that as, do you believe the rhetoric coming out of the team, which is, oh, this guy, yeah, that's just a fiery guy and he rallied the team and he's the reason we won 7-6. Or do you see that as just saving face? We have to make this guy look good because he's our starting goalie. When I first saw the video that you posted in the group chat, I had no context behind it. And I thought it was a, it reminded me of a, a Patrick Waugh moment, his last game in Montreal. I thought right. he was losing it because I, I, I saw the score and I saw um, obviously the antics afterwards, it looked and reminded me of 1993 Patrick Waugh. Um, if that's the right year, I don't know. Interesting. Born. Um, but 
now seeing and hearing the context you just put it in, I think it was. I think he was trying to spark the boys. Like he didn't come after his team. He went after Sharks players. Um, you know, he clearly he felt that the team in front of him wasn't putting enough effort in, wasn't uh, protecting the puck enough and defending him. So he was going to do it himself. And it, it worked, right? They won the game. And uh, are they winning tonight or did they win last night? I, I, don't, I don't remember. But. They won last night, but he, he, they gave him some uh, mental health day off. So he was not with the team. <laughs> I just uh, I don't know if you can you can name a more like spoiled brat type of guy you know like isn't that his his character well, he's, type he's not he's not spoiled yet he's still fighting for a contract he's on the last year of a deal he's in an impending UFA he has to have a career year this year mm. which is yeah that's crazy which is that's fascinating crazy. when this is going on amid all of that but so Kyle you had him on your Olympic roster didn't you from I did Olympic. not. No, was it? I did not. I didn't either. I didn't either. Oh, neither of you. Neither of us did. Price, Kemper, and Hart. Right. Okay. Because yeah, I, I a think, lot of a lot of experts did though. I, I think I would have had him on my Olympic roster before this incident, and now it's making me question his his mental game. Mm. I think I think it was a snap, and I think the team responded well to that, but. Uh, it's not something you want to see out of your goalie. Goalie's supposed to be composed, right? Yeah. Nick, who who is their backup there? So it's a uh, rookie by the name of Vili Huso. Oh, and, right. Okay. Uh, why? Are, are you looking on fantasy right now to pick up their backup? <laughs> no, no. I'm simply saying, like, maybe I don't even want this guy on the team at all. Like, maybe I let him uh, – maybe I trade him at the trade deadline, you know? Yeah, it's not an option. It's the reason why I had him as such a highly touted guy on my draft board this year because it's the first time they don't have a backup, like a Jake Allen. Their backup's literally a guy who's played three NHL games so far, and they don't right. really know what they have in. So right. that, made, that made me believe, and it's a contract year, so he's going to get yeah, his yeah. So all of that made me think, okay, he's going to start 40 games, and, and we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I mean... He, like I, he, he he's had an okay season, but I just thought I thought that was uh, a funny little incident, and I mm-hmm. you just don't see it often. And I and I, I I enjoyed seeing it from like an entertainment standpoint, and uh, but I, it is nonsensical to your point. Like it's and to Josh's point, you're not you shouldn't be seeing that from your goalie. Like it's just not a not a good look. Mm-hmm. But it worked. Mm-hmm. It, they got the win, so there you have it. Um, okay, very quickly. Uh, Josh, you said you had a story about this, but I'll just introduce the details. This is, it's a kind of a small deal and it hasn't really materialized because we haven't even seen the player play yet. But uh, Alex Galchenyuk was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs by the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday, or last Monday. Uh, Carolina received forward Igor Korshkov and defenseman David Warsawski. Uh, he was originally acquired by the Hurricanes, along with forward Cedric Paquette and a trade from Ottawa for forward Ryan Zingle. Um, but never played a game for them. So didn't play for Carolina, hasn't played yet for the Leafs. You being a lifelong Habs fan, Kyle, what did you think of this deal? <laughs> well, I, I see Galchenyuk as this and this only. 
if you're going to get anything out of him, it's going to be a second power play uh, shooting threat. That's all you're going to get. And, um, and honestly, I don't even know if Toronto needs that. I, I don't understand the deal from Toronto's perspective. I don't know if it's a character you want to bring into your room. I don't know if it's, it's not a piece that you need. And let's be honest, five on five, unless you can mold him into something crazy in the AHL, which is where he is right now, uh, then he's a liability five on five. So I, I just don't see where this is going. I think maybe he's going to be a trade piece for them. Maybe that's why they, they acquired him. You know, if he puts up some numbers in the AHL, maybe some team will get desperate. But I don't think he's going to play in a Leafs uniform at all. Um, and this is kind of his last shot, I guess. It's his contract year. He's got $1 million on the books this year, and then he's got nothing. So, I don't know. It, it, he's just – I never liked him even in Montreal. He, he's guy, a guy who's prone to mistakes, and uh, he's just – he hasn't figured it out. So, um, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. What is the uh, story you have, Josh? So the story is it's the the Marner draft. Watching the ping pongs balls bounce around, and um, well, I guess it's not the Marner draft; it's the McDavid draft. But um, we just ended up with the fourth pick. I wanted Galchenyuk to fall. No I, I wanted, way! I wanted Galchenyuk over Marner. Oh my god! At the time, we needed. And the you're center. a London guy. At, yeah, I am. I am. What? But okay, explain. The, the Leafs needed a center at the time. This was a year before we we got Austin Matthews with uh, the draft balls. So we were still rocking with Kadri and Bozak as our number one, number two centers. And I thought Galchenyuk, based on what I saw from him in junior, was the guy. Wow. Uh, luckily, I'm not the GM of the Leafs, and. <laughs> Thankfully, uh, the team in front of us, I believe it was, uh, was it Arizona that took him? Yeah. Thankfully, they, they're the, another bad franchise, and they took... Um, Dylan probably, Strom. Am I thinking of the same draft, or am I... Oh, yeah, no, that's all, this, that's all the same. Uh, wait. Oh, uh, did he go five, Galchenyuk? Galchenyuk went three, but it was not in the Marner draft. No, that, he, he got drafted in like 2012, Galchenyuk okay, so did. Then I, I don't have a story. And I, just, I just made up uh, <laughs> a memory in my head. Maybe you're, maybe you're replacing him with Dylan Strom. Because yeah. Strom was the center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, then I don't Which, have a story. And <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting that the Leafs decided to trade for him instead of just picking up off waivers. <laughs> Seriously, that, yeah. That option. Uh, I did read that it was for cap considerations because if you traded for him, you can go straight to the taxi squad. Whereas if you claim him off waivers, you still have to clear waivers, and that adds extra cap implications or something like that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, this is a yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to see him in the league too much longer. But uh, I think it's going to be one of the few trades you see Canadian teams make because. Uh, after, I mean, we're about halfway through the season now. And if you wait two weeks, then that's another eight games lost. You can't really wait too too much longer, or you can't really wait too much longer to, to make a trade or improve your roster. So I think it's good that the Leafs made the trade and also fortunate that he didn't have to go 
from Carolina. He never left Canada, so he doesn't have to wait those the two week quarantine period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's it's kind of a double deterrent on trades. One is one way is the quarantine period, and the other way is you don't want to trade interdivision if you're a Canadian team because then you play the guy, you know. So, exactly. like Canadian teams are just having a hard time making trades here. Much easier for the United States teams because they can trade out of division, less quarantine. So, yeah, that's that's a huge deterrent for most Canadian teams. Well, even the quarantine from coming to Canada to the U.S. is less too, right? Yeah. Lionel was playing in games a week before Dubois was. Yep. Oh, Winnipeg scored. I just think, yeah, it's weird because we'd, we'd heard rumors about the Leafs inquiring about a forward, especially after the Simmons injury. They needed, like, another guy. And to hear this was the guy, it just kind of uh, surprised me. A guy who's, like, a fringe NHLer, been beat around the bush, best days behind him, and this is the guy. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see if he is the guy. We'll see if he even gets any reps. But, uh, I mean, they clearly got him for basically a pack of gum based on what I read out. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens here. Pretty and uh, moving on to close the show, the uh, weekly edition of the laugh track. Oh. Um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're getting a little excited here on the show because the Golden Boy now has four points in five games. Whoa. And after his goal tonight, beautiful goal tonight, by the way. Not really. Only only three goals short of Kirill Kaprasov, who is the current Rookie of the Year leader. So uh, what do you think, Kyle? You, f- you feeling uh, optimistic here about little Lafreniere? <laughs> well, I told you the other day over text, like, what impressed me most about all those plays was that he's now skating with the puck and it, he's look, the skating looks a lot better. Like he's always said throughout the whole year, Oh, I feel more comfortable. I feel more comfortable, feel more confident every day, whatever. Now it actually looks like it. Like I never saw him skate like that before, but before he would, he'd get the puck, lock his feet onto the ice and look for a pass. Now it's like, he's trying to take kind of trying to take control more often. So, I see good things coming, and, and the the goal today just shows you that he, he's crashing the net too. So uh, he's got a, he's still got a long way to go, but this is really good positive returns, and uh, and and hopefully Panarin stays away a little longer because I think this is really helping his game, like having a bit more pressure on him. Well, and and the other one, Capocacco, don't forget about him. Yeah, he's he's quietly been buried in the COVID protocol list. And, right. and that he he I think is more of a threat than Panarin as far as like ice time because they, yeah. they're very similar like wingers who should be in the top six haven't really cracked it yet fighting for ice time big rivals you could tell they don't like each other yeah and uh, the the longer Capo stays away that's really helped laugh it's now been like four straight games on that top line with Buchnevich and Zabanajad so. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good sign, and yeah, the skating is great. We're seeing him really. Uh, they asked him in that interview today, "What what have been the two things you've worked on the most? Are the two big differences?" And he said, "Skating and playmaking. I'm I'm holding the puck longer. I'm more comfortable on making plays." 
So it all, it all sounded to make sense. Again, in the interview, very reserved. The same laugh we know, very calm and reserved on camera. But then behind the scenes, he's been hooting and hollering, apparently. So <laughs> clearly, clearly enjoying himself. Hooting so and far. hollering. That, that and uh, he's got big bulls. Bullsy kiss. <laughs> so, so stupid. <laughs> so yeah. Kids so. Bullsy, man. <laughs> Why do you say that? It's just weird. It's an overtime goal. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's uh, that'll be seeped in my mind for a while. But um, but yeah. So all in all, very optimistic. Uh, and we will see, uh, well, yeah, hopefully it continues here. I, I, I'm very excited. If this does, if this does continue, I, I am going to offer an apology on the show <laughs> based nice. on what I've said in the past couple of weeks. Nice. nice. Big apology coming. I hope I, I, I hope I have to apologize. Not Josh, yet. Have, yeah. Have you, have you, have you followed this play? I know not nearly as close as the two of us to, to like, to like be bearing your lives with this guy, but have you followed him at all? Of course. I mean, okay. I, 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 I genuinely want him to succeed. I, nice. I do. Um, I, I root for every Canadian player, especially one of his ilk. Um, I think I agree that Panarin being away has elevated his game because now he has more offensive responsibilities on his shoulders, which I think he thrives in. And we'll see. Maybe it'll come out in a couple of years that Lafreniere was one that planted the story and he was the mastermind <laughs> behind all of this to get <laughs> sneaky son of a bitch out of his way and no. so play top line minutes, top line power power play. You know what? Uh, yeah, me, me and Josh used to trade highlights actually of him back when we were in school. Like we used to, we used to talk about him quite a lot. Nice. Nice. Well, as long as you're an advocate of him and, and you and you you're rooting for him, yes. Then then you're uh, yeah you're a friend in my books. Otherwise, I don't want to talk to you. Um, so yeah, I wish him all the best individual success. I hope his team loses every night, though. Right. Yeah, that's mm. the same. That's what I've been thinking too. I uh, not really fond of the coach or the team, but uh, I do like the player. Oh, yeah. Uh, and very finally, as we're talking about rookies, Kyle, I know we were just talking about Anaheim and the lack of time you spend tracking them, but do you have any thoughts on your favorite prospect, Trevor Zagross, in his my, first my uh, least four games? Prospect. Okay. My least favorite. Yeah, so he's, I've only, yeah. I've he's only like seen the highlights. He's the anti-laugh. Really. He's the anti-laugh. He's the anti-laugh, yeah. Just an okay. awful guy. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, I saw the, the attempted Michigan for his first goal. I think that's a little bit suspect to me <laughs> for him to not choose not to make a play, but to try to make your first, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being old fashioned there, but, uh, I don't know. He's going to have a great, great career. <laughs> I just don't like him. <laughs> so that's all well, I'm going to say. Hey, I, Hey, I, I did a smooth move in, in picking up pick him up as a not available and then I decided to drop him because I didn't want to have him on my roster I think I was his biggest opponent uh, coming out of World Juniors I believe I said that 
his his career would peak in the World Juniors, and I, I think I think I'm ready to to eat those words. I I I saw some of the highlights that you were talking about, and you know the gumption it takes to to try Michigan, uh, even though it was unsuccessful. It still shows that he he has that that swagger to him, and I I think <clears> a place like Anaheim, where the media won't be as intense on him, will really allow his personality to to kind of f- flourish and he won't feel like he has to to get in line sort of speak to appease the fan base and the media who are who will be looking at him mm-hmm. so i'll be interested to see what he does in the next couple of years um you know he's exciting to watch and i was 50 percent right i said cole caulfield will have uh his career moment in the world juniors and you know winning gold definitely will do that for him but Zegers, I, I see having a productive NHL career. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll be honest. I have not, I with you, Kyle, is not tuned in to see him actually play a whole game. Um, but he is, he is playing St. Louis tomorrow in what I expect will be the Bennington return game. So I will probably have my attention there and I should have a full report on young Trevor Zegers tomorrow. Good. Um, good, good. But yeah. And so, yeah, and one more rookie. Uh, just got to shout him out. I shouted him out earlier, but I picked him up. So I hadn't been following him, but since I picked him up, I've had incentive to see a little bit of him. I watched his game last night. Um, and again, he's, not a, he's technically not a rookie. We've talked about this, but Kirill Kaprizov is a f- special player. Like, I don't know if I you saw... Like, Get, did real. You, Get real. Did you... Kyle, did you see that the 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 highlight of his edge work? It was on the yeah, rim one more, yeah. and the Colorado commentators were just jizzing on air, watching. <laughs> yeah, I, watch, I was watching, watching his edge work. It like the way they were talking about him was like they were talking about Makar. Like the way they described his skating, it was <clears> like they were describing Makar. And and like I saw the clip, and I'm like, the way he was able to move without taking any strides, just using his edges, was like. That that just got my attention. Like I don't care about goals. I don't care about assists. I just want to just seeing that. I was like, you immediately have my attention, my friend. And then I picked him up, and he's been producing great. He's got 17 points in 19 games, which leads all rookies by. He's clear of all rookies by at least five points. So, any observations on this young kid? I regret uh, dropping him. I, I you dropped, dropped him. him? I drafted oh him. He drafted him. Josh drafted him, and it was one of the best picks of the draft. And I, what happened? Well, he he doesn't fit my team's makeup. He he does get the points, but he's only averaging like a shot and a half. Not a lot. Per game. Not a lot of shots. It's been getting better though. Yeah, lately. And uh, you know, I, with a team makeup that I have, shots are a premium, and if you're not producing, you get replaced and because I can't trade with anyone. No one wants a Kevin Hayes, but they, I should have kept him because, you know, 17 points is enough for trade fodder. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, you're right. No, I think so. I think someone would have made a deal. Um, Holt Couturier would have made a deal for him for sure. He's a big uh, Minnesota guy. This is and the then, inside information I need before the season starts. <laughs> And then they went on like protocol, like they had like a full week where they didn't play. So like th- that's tough to hold on to guys then. And then and then uh, yeah, 
uh, Michael picked him up and then dropped him out of nowhere. I for, Yeah, he, he dropped him. We were at the cottage, Kyle. He dropped him because he wanted to beat me that week. It was the Sunday and he wanted to beat me. So he dropped him and Jack Hughes. Yeah, who have both been very rosterable players since yeah. then. <laughs> very he wanted, rosterable. He wanted, he, wanted, he wanted to kick dirt on me in our matchup. So there you have it. <laughs> have um, you guys given any thought to the possibility that not every team is going to play 56 games and what the fantasy implications are for that? Yeah. We, talk, we talked yeah. about it a bit on last show and, and how, how they're going to, how they're going to, because I, I even read something today about how they're scheduling games in the second week of May to, to have some of these games and our fantasy season only goes until the first week of May. So you're going to be losing games. And if I'm not mistaken, it's mostly players in the Central Division. They're, they're scheduling Central Division games in that second week of May, which will basically be useless for fantasy purposes. Hmm. Is there no way for us to extend the season? Uh, to capture that? or is I, can, it- I can look into it. The, mo- the most I was able to do was I was able to put the trade deadline like, the fi- like very late like right before the playoffs, like a week before the playoffs. Right. Um, but as far as actually changing the scheduling, I can look into that. But um, I, don't, I don't even think it's... Uh, again, the fact it's only one division that they're doing that would make me feel like that wouldn't even be a solution, you know? Um, one more topic on kind of rookie-type players. Um. How many? There's four members of the Beatles. Is that correct? Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, there so, there have been more than four, but right. The, the, four the band is guys. made up of four people. Okay. So, if the NHL were to have a Beatles group, it would undoubtedly feature Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, perhaps Brad Marchand, and then a fourth member. Um. Does anyone know where I'm going with this? Yeah, what Nova Scotia guy do you want to add in there? Drake Batherson is the fourth member of the NHL's Beatles. The Ringo. The Ringo. He's the Ringo star. He is part of that legendary summer training group. He's been there since he was drafted. He's right tight with those guys. And now he's finally putting up the points to prove it. He just just put up uh, Ottawa Senators... Uh, longest goal streak in franchise history. And uh, I don't know how many Sens games you guys watch, but this guy absolutely passes the eye test as well. Like, this isn't just some fluke. If you were to tell me Kaprizov or, or Bathurst, I'd, I'd say they both look equally impressive in, in terms of the eye test. Like, this guy is legit. And um, I think the Sens with him and Stutzel have a, have a cool future going forward. How's his edge work? Uh, probably not as his strength, although his shot is oddly reminiscent of like a Matthews shot. Whoa. I don't want to, I don't want to pump anybody. I think you're happy Joe's hey, not hey, on hey, this hey, show. Hey, hey. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying in terms of if you were to just look at it in a vacuum, like the style, the, uh, the form in which he shoots, it, it, it looks the same. You know, like it, it's not the same blistering quickness, but it looks the same. It's that pull and snap drag to the feet. It's, it's a very, it's a good looking player, man. Like, and he's got a reach to him. Like it's, he's a cool looking player. 
it's it's very fun to watch interesting i'll have to uh I know like he was in the AHL. He was like buried in the AHL Belleville for a while. So I guess all that cultivation, all those reps mm. must have, are they're paying dividends now, right? And, and he lit it up in the AHL, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's case in point why you don't rush these prospects, you know? Yeah. Um, which unfortunately, far too many teams aren't following that same uh, rationale. No, no, they're not. Okay. The next Matthews. The next Matthews. All right, you heard it here first. We'll, so we'll, we will see what the uh, the Joe from the bridge will say about this. Um, which, by the way, he made me, uh, Josh. He made me fifty dollars. I, I voted on. Uh, I voted on. I, I I bet on Vancouver the same night he bet on Vancouver, mm-hmm. and I put fifty dollars on the game. I got a, I got a hundred. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah, I I I wrote him. I wrote his picks pretty hard until. Uh, until things went off the uh until the <laughs> the debacle with Montreal right ops uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one's uh, no one's perfect i guess yeah it's rough <laughs> okay well uh thanks fellows for having me on yeah uh, always a pleasure and hopefully we can do it again sometime soon uh then i can actually flex on you guys with my fancy team being not in first but definitely solid playoff contention because winning 5-4 every week is literally my goal. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you should aspire higher, my friend. 6-4, hey. actually. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Well, well, we'll see when that is because I, I just looked at it today and apparently like, there's only seven weeks left. So just like that, like it's, it's been an odd, odd year, but time mm-hmm. is, uh, time is uh, running thin. So... Yeah, we'll see where we are next time we talk. Um, but with that said, we uh, we wish everyone well. We hope you enjoyed the show yet again. Um, we will see what happens the next few weeks uh, with trade talk uh, increasing. So that would be my prediction. We'll probably have a few more trades if everyone wants to get some some in before that, you know, just to avoid that whole two-week quarantine uh, baloney. But yeah so uh yeah we hope you guys enjoyed and uh we look forward to uh chatting with everybody next time so until then uh we wish you the best and rink moose is signing off